and we welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. We are now at the end of May. It's May 31st as we're recording this. And Tara, I can't really say that we're any closer to baseball, and that's a little bit scary. Yeah, you know, there's a lot going on in the world, and, and all of a sudden it feels like this is even less significant than it was a week ago, but it's been sort of covering up the fact that we're probably not any closer to an agreement of any sort than we were a week ago either. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a hard week in a lot of different areas in life. And baseball is just one of those pieces. And for a lot of us, it it is a significant part of what we do and, how we relate to people. And, and so it's hard to not have it. It's hard to have these conversations about what's right and what's wrong in the negotiating process. But, you know, in light of the rest of the world right now, it, it feels like there are bigger things to, uh, to deal with and baseball maybe out of the spotlight for a moment can get something done, but even if they do, I think we're still going to be under a bit of a cloud for a, a little while as we maybe try to get baseball back and, and maybe watch as they let a, an entire season pass them by. Yeah, it was a little bit strange to be scrolling through my Twitter feed today and then see a tweet from, I think it was, it was John Heyman or Jeff Zahn or one of them about negotiations. I was like, oh, yeah, that's still going on. While everything else is, yeah. you know, so little of sports is on the on the timeline right now because of everything else that's going on. Um, but there is, uh, you know, Buster Oldie put out uh, an article today that said a good chunk of the owners are willing to to scrap the season. Um, there's been a little bit of pushback on that. May not be as many as they think, but again, as as we continue to say, there's so much going on. And it makes baseball look incredibly small and petty if they can't come together and figure out a way how to do this. However, um, you know, last week the owners uh, gave their proposal that did not go very far at all. Um, and then the players haven't yet countered. Um, they're supposed to do that. They were going to do that Friday. They didn't. They'll probably do it tomorrow or, or Tuesday. But you know, we're getting to that point where if you're going to do it by the 4th of July, you've got to get something done. And I don't know, are they, are they so amazingly blind and unable to read a room that they won't actually do this? Not only with, um, not only with, um, you know, the virus going on, but then now with all this other stuff happening as well with the protests and things of that nature, it feels really, really silly for these, these two sides to be fighting over a bunch of money. It does. Although I think there is some perspective to be had that what they're fighting over isn't dollars and cents. What they're fighting over is how, you know, what the balance of power is, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't about what the dollar amounts are this season, as much as it is about, not allowing the owners to basically hold the players hostage 
and then say that it's for the good of the game when we all know that it's really for their bottom line because everything Mm -hmm. that ownership does is for their bottom line. There were a number of conversations early in the week before the rest of what's going on in this country with the protests and the riots and far more weighty matters about oppression in this country than than baseball players took over. But there were some interesting conversations early in the week about kind of what the importance is of the dynamic in these negotiations. One of them being that the part of this negotiating process and one reason that the players would not return serve right with the economic proposal from the owners is that i guess legally i don't i'm i'm basing this off of what other people said not my own knowledge so just that's the caveat but essentially if they were to acknowledge that counter proposal that it would basically be the players saying okay the deal in march isn't valid because now we're making a different offer. And it would basically put that whole thing back on the table. So by not making a counter offer, they're basically not acknowledging that there is any room for change compared to the deal they already thought they agreed to. Now, there is some evidently fine print that that may work in the owner's favor as far as whether that deal was dependent on fans in the stands or not, and, and yada, yada. The point is, the the back and forth is way more layered than just, it's not enough money, or it's too much money. Mm-hmm. And it's more about players wanting to make sure that they are still in a good position, still on good footing. I mean, Jack Flaherty talked about it in an interview after the players chose not to return a a counter proposal and was basically saying that for guys like him, their proposal wasn't really that bad of a deal. I mean, it was, they'd already agreed to the prorated salary. So it was half of what his salary would have been. And then the additional percentage cut was about 10% for Jack Flaherty. And he was saying, for me, that's not really a terrible deal because it's it's not that much more of a loss for me. But for the guys at the top, it was obviously much more than that. And his point was they already gave up a lot as far as the salary is concerned in order to protect service time so that guys like Jack Flaherty, so that you know guys like Mookie Betts can be a free agent next year, that sort of thing. So those guys at the top did already give up something in order to protect the guys at the bottom. So Jack was saying that he didn't feel like it was fair on on his end, on their end, to push to accept this offer when they were then costing those guys who who protected their service time so much more. So it's so complicated. It's so layered. And, you know, there are very real kind of inside the, the legality of it details that I'm certainly not aware of was made aware of a few of them earlier this week that kind of direct the the flow of traffic in these negotiations and how those things are, are passed back and forth. And I guess my point is, yeah, it seems silly to not play baseball over money in light of everything else that's happening in the world. But it's also, <laughs> these negotiations aren't just about the, the zeros 
at the end of the check. No, but that's the way it's going to appear. Oh, of I mean, course that's, it is. And that's I mean, exactly that's, what the owners have been, been trying to establish from the very beginning. Well, yeah. And I mean, it goes against the owners as well. Because it's, I mean, not that people look at it that way. They look at the players more often. But even even if you want to get to the, the next level of casual fan, I mean, they're going to look at this guy and say, hey, these guys are making a billion dollars. Why aren't they, you know, why can't they come up with some sort of agreement, <laughs> yeah. you know, here? You're right, though. It is a lot about a lot of other things. In fact, the fact that the health and safety issues aren't settled either. There's right. apparently a gap there, although I'm not really sure what that's about. But yeah, of course, you know, you did point out that, you know, they couldn't accept that because of the March agreement. But then from all indications, um, they're going to turn around and propose extended schedule. Now, this may be just kind of a formality thing. So the owners can reject that and maybe they can move on. But that's, you know, again, that was kind of something that was covered in March as well. It felt like at least maybe not what I was reading that this is kind of one of those things that the owners send over their proposal that's, you know, messes with March and the players reject it and they send over theirs and they reject it and then maybe they can get somewhere. I don't know. Um, the point being though, that if, especially if they do do something like that, we're at, you know, tomorrow's June 1st, which is when they wanted to have things done. Obviously that's not going to happen. It's probably about a week before um, they um, have to have some sort of an agreement done. And, I get to, I don't know, part of me gets to that feeling that they may eventually come to some sort of agreement, but by this time it'll be like too late to actually get a season. Yeah. In. yeah and that's one of the pieces of the health, health and safety thing that comes into play, right? Because that part of this has to be agreed upon in time for all of the teams and all of the facilities and all of the cities and all of those things to logistically get those things set up, right? You can't just say, oh, this testing facility is going to convert to a, a COVID testing lab. Like you have to functionally provide them with the materials and with the training and with the information and the resources necessary to complete that, not just write it in a piece of paper. So that's one of the things they have to make decisions. They have to start making moves in order to comply with all of those those regulations and, and those um, concerns, those additional protocols, if they're going to be in place. So that's part of the timing piece of this, as well as just trying to fit in as many games as they're trying to to get on the schedule before whatever the end of October or whenever it was that they wanted to to try to wrap September, that up. That's the thing is they want okay. to try to wrap up at the same time they normally would. Yeah, so it, it's you're right, and we've been saying this for weeks so that they have to make a decision. They have to make a decision. They have to make a decision, and then all of a sudden, as you mentioned a, a moment ago, the report that you know maybe this is what the owners were trying to get to all along, and that's not the first time I've heard that. That's not the first time I've discussed that with multiple different people. That you know maybe all of this is just a sort of a, a show to make the players look like the bad guys when the owners had done the calculations and, and figured out all along that they could sort of just cut their losses on this season and not cost themselves the additional salaries as well and then just move on to, to next season. You know, I think there's also an, a bit of an undercurrent that maybe you just get started on the CBA. Just just call this a wash and, and start on the more complicated potentially negotiations because of this conversation and how it's gone. But um, I don't know. I can't imagine that that's what most people really truly want. But I do think that the owners will use that as a weapon of sorts to try to, you know, extend their leverage even a bit further. 
Well, and maybe we can throw a hopeful note into this as I, as you were talking, I happened to look over at Twitter and apparently the uh, players union did submit a proposal today. Um, it's basically boils down to if, if the sources are right, which I'm sure they are because they got leaked to them, you know, they probably Passan or village mm-hmm. have you know, actually have a copy of it and, and they just say sources, but uh, 114 games, uh, a schedule that would run from June 30th to October 31st. Uh, there could be two years of expanded playoffs um, and players would potentially defer salaries if the postseason got canceled because of a second round of coronavirus. Um, also that any player that doesn't want to play can opt out. Again, those are the rough draft. That's the rough points. What those things uh, mean, um, I don't know. Oh, uh, apparently high-risk players that opt out would receive salary. Others would just receive service time, which is an interesting okay. compromise. Um, they would get a another that hundred million. There's apparently an advance that they would get. Uh, during spring, during the second spring training, maybe that's to pay for the salaries that's coming forward. Um, I know, like I said, I'm just getting the the tweets. I, this is all I'm, it's just been out there. It looks like these are for five minutes ago, so it's just now coming out. Um, but what's you know, first hit, first blush? What's your thought on that? I can't imagine that the owners are going to accept the deferred money part of that in particular. I think obviously the extended number of games is what the players are hoping for, but not so much what the owners are looking at because that then brings up the, the salaries, even if it's prorated with any sort of additional cut, which is not in this proposal from the players. So that gives them more money to work with, but it also gives the teams more games to, to work with as far as the TV contracts and, and that sort of thing are concerned as well. So, you know, the more games they play, the more money they can generate, even without fans. And I'm sure that is going to be part of their, um, their, their uh, presentation of this proposal to the owners or was, I guess, since they've already made the uh, proposal, but I I don't know. I, I think when the owner's proposal came out, it was kind of immediately like, oh, well, that's not going to work. This to me isn't that shocking. (laughs) I think that it's a lot of what we've heard, kind of the rumblings of what players have wanted all along. Um, That said, I I guess it depends on if the owners want to play ball or if they want to, you know, take their their checkbooks and go home and, and call it a summer. But I think the the opt-out for players is really important because there are going to be people who aren't comfortable. There are going to be guys who have family concerns that they're not going to be comfortable with. And I think that's really important on the part of the players. I think that will be incredibly disappointing to fans if certain players do, in fact, opt out. Mm-hmm. I'm already imagining the drama surrounding that based on the fact that guys who leave for the birth of a child are considered (laughs) to be bad teammates. So I don't know how that's going to go over, but I do think that's important on the part of the players, um, you know, how they handle the uh, high risk guys is an interesting note on that, because I know that's been a big part of the the health and safety conversation. Um, So yeah, it just sort of off the cuff initial reactions. 
I I don't think it's necessarily unfair. I think the deferred money is definitely going to be part of what ownership is not cool with considering because they have seemed to not want to budge on that issue in particular. Yeah, which is a little bit surprising. Yeah. Um, because the argument for the owners, the best argument that the owners have, let's put it that way, is that this is a cash flow issue that, you know, obviously right. they have money, they have value, but most of their value is tied up in, you know, in the value of their of their club, like the DeWitts. It's the, the club has appreciated $2 billion since they bought it, but that's not, but they don't have $2 billion sitting in their vault because of that. They obviously got some money sitting a lot around. Don't get me wrong, but unless they're but, like Scrooge McDucking it and just hiding well, it. Well, yeah, all even, of it. even then, which they could be, that'd be really cool to see uh, Bill with the third, you know, diving into a big pile <laughs> of coins. Um, that's coming from their revenues. Otherwise, I mean, it's not from this paper right. paper evaluation until they sell the the organization. They're not going to have that money in their hand. Um, and, you know, it is, there is a you know, cash flow issue is got to be huge for these owners because they are paying out yeah. a lot of money right now with no money coming in. So deferrals make some sense, especially if the players were able or willing to defer it interest free. I don't know if they would be, but if they were, then you take that expense and you move it into next year when you've got a full season, hopefully, uh, uh, and, you know, maybe that lowers your you know revenue or your, your bottom line for next year, but you still have the ability to to pay for this and maybe in a, a year or two you finally caught up. Um I you know the play the running the season late, I think is seems to be a big holdup with the owners. Um 114 games would be nice. I think it would That's make so it, many doubleheaders. <laughs> yeah, 114 games I think it's 124 games 124 days. So I mean, that's like every day plus 10 days off. You got to figure there's going to be more days off than that in there. Um, so yeah, there's going to be some, some double headers. Um, but I think as fans, one, we want to see as many games as possible, but two, it makes the season a little bit more legitimate, doesn't it? I mean, again, it's never going to be perfect. I mean, it's a shorter season. You're playing it in weird situations. You're playing teams that you're not normally playing. You may have some significant people opting out, of this um it's it's gonna have a footnote by it anyway but you know 114 games feels a lot more like if you win your division you earned it even more than just 82 i mean and that's it doesn't feel like a slot but i think to some degree playing that kind of percentage of a season would make it a little bit more legitimate yeah, I think anything over 100 games is going to feel like, okay, we had a full season, even mm -hmm. if it's, you know, not the the actual number of games in a full season. I'm curious as well. This may have been discussed elsewhere and I've just missed it, but I just had this thought while I was listening to you. When they're coming up with a number of games that they're going to play, there are guys who have bonuses that kick in for a certain number of innings sure. or for a certain number of starts, mm -hmm. or I don't know that I've seen any of that discussed as far as changes to that in their, their contracts. I wouldn't imagine that they would change those things. So like talking about Adam Wainwright, for example, uh, you know, last year's contract was so incentive laden and 
he hit pretty much every one of those check marks along the way, which increased his salary significantly. The more games you play, the more chances you have to hit some of those benchmarks, which could be significant for some guys who have those performance-based incentives in their contracts. So not only are they looking to raise kind of the base salary based on the number of games they played, which is what they agreed to in the deal in March, but for some guys, you know, having that extra you know, 25 games or whatever on the schedule could be very significant in what their <laughs> what their salary actually ends up being in any given year. Yeah, I wrote, <laughs> sadly, it's almost been a month ago now, back on day 52 or at day 80, a little bit about, you know, like Matt Carpenter. He's got an option for 22 that guarantees if he gets 1,100 plate appearances in the next two years. Well, he's not going to get that. I mean, he has to have, even if he gets, he has to have 550 in 2021, but he's not going to get 500 or so this year to get into that. So, you know, how are they going to do anything with that? I haven't seen that either. You know, there could be some idea of, okay, at the end of the season, we'll prorate it and, you know, figure it out and, you know, see how that goes. But I imagine the owners aren't going to want to do that either. I mean, there's some contracts... Well, Andrew Miller has, I think, a vesting mm-hmm. contract for next year. Um, if he throws 37 games, well, if, you know, especially if there was an 82-game season, he's not throwing – well, not that Mike Matheny's not here anymore. So he's probably <laughs> not throwing in 37 games. Um, others, yeah. Uh, you know, again, Wade Wright has a, a contract very similar this year. A uh, higher base salary, yeah. but still a lot of incentives. So, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Um and I figure at some point in time, they're going to have to to discuss that as well. I mean, it's kind of farther down the the pecking order. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's really, really going to be interesting. And it may be that the players, the players are going to want that because the free agent market is going to be so tight that they're mm-hmm. going to want those vested yep. options. So, I don't know. I don't know how. But is it worth holding up and losing an entire season. Right. right. Yeah. I and I don't, I guess, I guess a lot of that is some of the sort of detailed X's and O's that we're obviously not getting in these c- conveniently or very directly leaked pieces of these proposals. But yeah, you better believe it. Those guys who have contracts like that have thought about it and have asked those questions. And I'm sure that's been part of trying to figure out the best way to, to negotiate how the players are getting paid as well as how many games uh, they're playing because you know that that's all part of what they and look again we could go back to is it really significant is it really worth you know putting up a fight over and sure in the grand scheme of life (laughs) maybe it's not the biggest deal but the the reality is I kind of make this point when I'm talking about minor league stuff and and people will say, oh, yeah, well, what about teachers? Oh, yeah, well, what about this? Or, yeah, well, what about this group? And all of that is relevant. There's, I'm not taking away from anyone else's injustice to call out the one that I'm supposed to be talking about in the context of what I do and the context of a baseball podcast and that sort of thing. So in the context of what we're talking about, it's like any other industry where the the where labor is insisting on their rights and that sort of thing. So it's, I guess, in the large context of life, is it really important that Adam Wainwright has the chance to hit all of those benchmarks or whatever? I I don't know. But 
as far as those guys working their whole lives to put themselves in this position, having actual legal documents <laughs> binding their their employers to what they're going to pay them, it, it all does matter in that sense, even if it's not life or death. Well, and no one, you know, it's Adam Wainwright, so anything he makes is going to be given to some people that don't have. Right, exactly. So, yeah, maybe we do want so Adam we Wainwright. want Adam Wainwright to make all the money because he will do good things with it. I have always, he's always liked to say that his, he wants to bounce his last check. So um, I don't know how I would feel about that if that was my father saying that, but you know, that's a, that's another, another story. Mm -hmm. but, uh, oh, I imagine his children will be perfectly I, I, taken I care of. I think so. <laughs> I think he has uh, set a lot aside for them, but he is going to spend a whole lot of, whole lot oh, of yeah. money helping a whole lot of people. And that's the, that's the great thing about Adam Wainwright. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. We'll see how this all plays out um and i don't know i feel like the the you're right i think that the players kind of they didn't come in as hard line as you know this is all that we have to have this 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 and this they i don't want to say that they met the owners halfway because i don't think they did that but they did take a step or two toward the owners and that's honestly that's more than we've seen uh in a, in a long while and maybe that's enough to you know, break the ice and get something established this week. I, I you know, I wasn't real optimistic. In fact, I'm now going to have to go edit my post for tomorrow um, that I wrote this afternoon. But, <laughs> you know, I was seeing something like that. I mean, until the owners come down tomorrow and say, no, we're not doing it. Um, I, it still makes me feel like maybe they can come up with something. And I don't know. I, I'd like to, I'd like to think so because, you know, it was, I know you and Alex were talking a little bit about it on chirps about how, you know, Labor Day and there was no baseball that really kind of hit. I think today it was for me, it was just, you know, a Sunday afternoon and it's sunny and warm and usually come home and, and turn on the game and it wasn't a game to turn on. So um, it'd be really nice to get back to that for whatever, whatever baseball is going to look like this year, at least to have some sort of facsimile of it would be really, really nice. Um, before we get out of here, I know we were at a, right about 30 minutes, but that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, uh, <laughs> we do need to talk because we have to, I am yeah. not going to get out of here without letting Tara talk about what was going on with the minor leaguers this week. Um, many a team, uh, cut a lot of players. And again, this is a time of year when some get cut, mm -hmm. but these are for a lot of teams were very excessive. Some teams were not. Some teams cut very few. Uh, some teams made a very much of a public commitment to paying their players throughout the whole year. Some teams are Oakland Athletics, who <laughs> have said, no, not only we're not paying you, we're not cutting you either, um, which is the worst of both worlds. Um, Tara, I'm not, I know you're following this completely, um, but just in general, what was this week like for the Miners? Brutal. It was a it was so discouraging on so many levels because not only did a bunch of guys get released because the minor league season likely isn't going to happen this year, but a lot of guys got released to the tune of like two full rosters, which is really just an early indication of what is going to happen to the minor league system in the, the next PBA. And I know I've been talking about it all spring and really all winter. And I, I know that to a lot of people, it, it doesn't, it's not going to affect them. But the, 
the functional change of minor league baseball started this week. And mm. it's just is it's really sad for so many people who who love the minor league game because that's where they learned to love baseball. And it's also really sad for those players, obviously, who have spent their whole lives working for this moment. And, you know, I had a conversation this week that was that someone's opinion was essentially, well, if they got cut, they obviously weren't good. Mm. <laughs> and that, first of all, if they were on a professional team, they're already the 1% of baseball players. Right. So they're obviously good. There's a difference in, you know, single A good and major league good. Sure. There's a pretty steep learning curve and it's a process. And we all know that, you know, the large majority of the guys in an organization don't actually make it to the big leagues, but Mm -hmm. the pursuit of that dream is still valuable to those kids. And, And I think that gets lost in the conversation about money, right? There, everyone who wants to say, "I'd play for free," I, you should play for the love of the game. Like they're already doing that; <laughs> they're right. doing it year in and year out, knowing what their odds are, knowing what they're up against. And a lot of those guys who aren't the top round draft picks, they know that their chances of getting to the big leagues maybe are different than those guys at the very top. They know the money they're not going to be making. And they're doing it anyway. So they're already playing for the love of the game. So that argument is dumb and people need to stop using it. (laughs) But also the idea that, well, these guys who got cut obviously weren't good enough is just a really unfair perspective on all of it. And and that could be every single guy that got cut this week might have been a guy who never made it to the big leagues. He might never get another job in baseball after this. One of those guys that got cut this week might end up being the World Series MVP five years from now. We don't know how that's all going to shake out. But what we do know is that a bunch of guys lost their jobs this week. Mm -hmm. And even worse, a bunch of guys who are employed by the A's didn't lose their jobs, but they lost their paychecks. Because somehow, that's a thing baseball gets to do, is tie guys to a contract, not let them go play for anyone else and also not pay them anything at all. So yeah, just a lot of bad, a lot of bad things as far as just the, the deconstruction, I guess, of, of minor league baseball is as we know it. And, you know, I think before the coronavirus situation began, we felt like minor league baseball was gaining a little bit of traction. And then, you know, a worldwide pandemic halted that as well. And then all the other pieces really just sort of fell into place and and it was a matter of time. So you're right. I'm just rambling at this point because obviously this is something that I care about. And, and I sometimes feel like I have to defend why I care about it as much as I do. And I think it's just because, these these guys work as hard as anyone else and they are doing it for very little and they are chasing a dream and they're succeeding at a higher level than almost any of the rest of us ever do in any career that we choose and somehow they're relegated to this idea that they just weren't good enough or they just didn't work hard enough or just go find another job 
and I don't think anyone's dream should be treated that casually. So it's a tough, tough week for those guys as far as baseball is concerned. And yet again, in light of, you know, real people losing their lives, it's only mildly a top story compared to a lot of other things. So it was a, it was a rough way to kind of start this week of bad news. And while it seems like it was forever ago that we started hearing about all these cuts. um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to see some teams like the Kansas city Royals, for example, doing the right thing and, and talking about the value of those minor league players, whether they ever step foot on a major league field or not. Um, I, I don't, I, I can't become a Kansas city Royals fan, but phew, that was, that was a, that was a pretty strong attempt <laughs> to, uh, to sway my loyalties there. Um, but you know, other teams are like the major league owners with everything else. They, they look at the bottom line and these guys don't fit into the plan as far as the bottom line is concerned. And that makes me sad. And I mean, there's, you know, I was reading Buster Olney's um, column about this whole thing and a point that he put out, it was not really tied to the minor leagues, but I think it just goes to the owners uh, or some owners mindset was, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates stopped contributing to the team 401k for their employees, which, I mean, that's their front office employees. That's, you know, I'm sure, I don't know how far that goes down. It could go all the way down to ticket sales and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, you know, you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, which is not much (laughs) for a team that, you know, spends more than that on, you know, press paper. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) well, I mean, that's value of the commodity. So, you know. And they um, still spend more than that. Just true. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I just, there are some owners that are going to take any advantage to cut costs, whether they need to or not. Um, thankfully, I feel like they're kind of in the minority. I haven't looked, I haven't compared to see who's paying what. I, it feels like there's a lot more teams that are paying their minor leaguers than aren't. Yeah. Because uh, they saw what happened to the A's when they went first. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes that's all they need, right? Is they just yeah. need somebody to take the cover and then like mm-hmm. say, well, you know, the A's are showing us that, you know, this, 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 this community can't handle this. And, you know, the second, third, fourth team that does it, it doesn't get the brunt of it as the A's does. All it takes is one person to break the seal. And some have. I mean, what, the Mets, I don't think, are, are paying theirs um, after this. I, I can't remember for sure. And some teams, like the Cardinals, are doing it month by month. Um, you can make the argument that they could go ahead and, you know, commit to the rest of the year. Um, especially since if you're paying through June, it's only two more months. Because, um, you know, the... the the season would have been over at the end of August anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's better than, it's better than nothing, I guess it's better to, you know, to be able to do that. And again, not to, uh, to, to not be paid while staying under contract and at, least, you know, at worst, not even being able to get, you know, empl- unemployment right. benefits, which are actually better than yeah. their actual pay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really hard to, stomach that and it's gotta be i mean it's gotta be hard to be a fan of a team like that as well i mean uh, i mean i mean they have some some great fans obviously um but i gotta feel like there's 
they're going to be frustrated with their ownership as well, if, if like they haven't been already. But um, to see them treating players like that, so yeah, it's rough. It's and again, it's it's lower in the scheme of things. It's it's more important than whether there's baseball or something this year, but not as important as you know people dying, yeah. um, which unfortunately is a very real topic um, over the last little bit. So, but still. You know, that's we're talking about. <laughs> that's what we do here. <laughs> kind, of, kind of the topics. You know what you're getting when you walk in. Uh-huh. So, um, and that's so it's important there. So, anyway, hopefully next week we're talking about this agreement that they have come to, and we're talking about how they're going to turn those labs into <laughs> testing facilities so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.